thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Japan by River Cruise with your hosts, Ali and Bobby. I'm Bobby. I'm calling in from Kyushu in Japan. And I'm the cheeky boy next door, Ollie Horn, calling in from the Cotswolds in the United Kingdom. I didn't know we could give ourselves like adjectives. I have to think of like uh, what what kind of an individual I am. Uh, you could maybe you're the you're the opposite of a cheeky boy next door. You're the that? I don't know what the what is the opposite of cheeky. <laughs> I'm the respectful old woman <laughs> <laughs> who right. doesn't live anywhere near me. <laughs> yeah, well, at least we got one of those right. Uh, so today we'll be discussing all kinds of a uh, Japan Tokyo 2020 Olympic news, and as always, we're going to take an in-depth look at the world of Japanese river cruises, including this week's river cruise recommendation. Ali. Yes, this week I'll be looking at an energy-saving river cruise that runs directly mm. through Kyoto's red light district. Locals are in arms. Where will the energy saved actually go? I cannot wait to find out about that. And the Japanese have long known that a river cruise can be a perfect destination for a marriage proposal, but we'll take a look at why recently they've become an unlikely locale for serving subpoenas. But first, soap talk. <laughs> Bobby, why do we call soap it soap talk? talk? Ali, say uh, say soap talk in Japanese. Oh yeah, sekken banashi. You nailed it. Uh, but Thanks. nobody says soap talk. They say small talk, which is sekken banashi. Yes, sekken banashi. Okay, so let's uh, let's discard that. And uh, how was your week? Um, my week was good until yesterday, where I um, I found out that a gig which I was supposed to be doing this weekend got pulled. Um, mm. But then on a Facebook comedy forum, there was a post from a promoter saying, "Hey, there's been a dropout. Uh, would anyone like to to do the opening spot for this gig in Bristol?" And I thought, mm. "Fantastic, great! I'm going to Bristol for a gig anyway. I can double." Applied for this spot, uh, sent a clip, and then an hour later, he responds saying, "Yep, yeah, senior clip. Great, you're in." Uh, and then I take a celebratory nap, and uh, then wake As up. One from does. My- as one yeah, does. well, you know, it's gonna be most good people weekend. celebrate things with a nap. Yep. And then I woke up from the nap to find <laughs> an absolute barrage of hate on my Facebook. Uh, basically, what I what happened was this forum um, where he posted had a had a thread underneath which wasn't there when I applied for the gig. Basically, saying this guy was an absolute shyster, a scam artist uh, who owed a load of comedians loads of money, and everyone was ridiculous. Oh no! And uh, the the main thing was people were saying whatever idiot applies for this gig after knowing all of this, uh, deserves to be publicly shamed, deserves to be ostracized from the comedy community for spitting in the faces of all the comics that are owed hundreds of pounds by this man. Uh, why wouldn't they, they Why wouldn't they contact you and say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, and, and, and look out to try to protect you instead of blaming you for it? Well, well, I suppose that's what they were doing, right? Because they didn't know that I'd, I'd, like, at that point, the fact that I'd got the gig wasn't a matter of public record because he hadn't updated his website. And so this this was obviously people were sending this as a warning to tell people don't apply. But these warnings came too late. I'd already applied and already got the gig by the time people had started piling on this forum. Then when it then when it was uh, revealed that, that I was the act that, that, that had done it, people were then sending me like messages saying that I was an absolute um, scum and uh, I, I was stealing from the mouths of, of comics that owed money from him. Um, you were crossing but, the picket line and going uh, to work for the enemy. Well, exactly, and I, I had absolutely no idea. But the funniest thing was I then obviously messaged this promoter saying. Hey man, uh, just checking in about the gig on Saturday. <laughs> you uh, you don't happen to be an asshole, do you? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people are calling you the c-word. Just wanted to get your views on this. And uh, he went, "Yeah, I guess guess this might come up. Um, don't worry about it. I'll pay you half the money in advance." As if he knows that you know I'm about to pull out. And so I accept that. So at least I'm getting paid half. 
Um, but everyone's telling me that I should have kept that half of the money and then just not turned up to the gig to cause him any uh, to cause him an inconvenience and ruin his gig. I think the easiest way that I can ruin his gig is by turning up and doing the gig to the best of my abilities. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of that sentence. And that is yes. the end of that sentence. I'm uh, so yeah, glad so- you said that because I was sitting on it. Not a great, uh, <laughs> not a great week. Uh, but I haven't done the gig yet. It might turn out to be brilliant. But yeah, a lot of people are really cross, telling me that um, I'm never going to work for some people again because I've because I didn't heed their advice, despite the fact their advice came just moments too late. How was your week? Well, he's a he's a clever guy. I mean, he's getting you to do the gig. Uh, he's he's getting you to not pull out by paying you half in advance, and then he's getting a comedian in half price. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not going to well, see the other half. Well, precisely, yeah. Well, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough gig, I'm sure. It's it's one of these old junglers venues, which is a load of stag and hendus. So. Stag and hendus. Uh, stag and large, large groups of men and women stankin', who, um, stankin'. who see who see comedy as a as a arena for hostility. Ah, uh, bachelor parties and bachelorette parties is what we call yeah. them. Yeah, stag and hendus. Uh, yeah. I had a crazy day. Uh, I went to do a shoot for the travel segment I do for the local morning show. Um, I was on on loke, as they call it. You remember loke, Ollie? I remember this word, Bobby. Yes. Do you know what? It, what's it short for? It's short for location. Location. Uh, you're on location, right? So uh, we went and did loke in uh, Kitakyushu, and there's a mountain in uh, in Kitakyushu uh, that's called Sarakurayama, and. Uh, you know, the, the whole point of the corner is you're supposed to go, the segment, as it were, is you're supposed to go and find something that would inspire people to want to take a trip to this area. And so we do a lot of like, you know, you go up a, a mountain and find some beautiful scenery. But this time it wasn't about the scenery. It was about this 72-year-old man who is, he's he's trying to climb this same mountain uh, 10,000 times. <laughs> he's trying to climb this same mountain 10,000 times. And he's on like, he's almost at like 7,000. Um <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, there's a lot to unpack. Where did he? Uh, when did he start? When was his first climb? He started at like 52. Uh, I think he said he did it like once when he was in elementary school. But then he turned 52 and he started climbing up for his health. And uh, he saw this plaque at the top that said like somebody had had a record of like climbing it like 2,000 sometimes. And he was like, I could beat that. So he beat that like years ago, and, and he's kept going. He climbs it every day which is what they freaking told me. And so I climbed this mountain with him and then climbed back down. And as we got to the bottom, they were like, actually, he climbs it two times every day. Uh. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I, was, I was like, no, he doesn't. I was like, no, this is this is like the joke that you're using to like close the segment. You're like, well, you want to go up again? And, and that's like the little, the punchline that they use to close the segments, right? Yeah, And so I totally played it like it was the punchline. And then they were all still standing there and they were like, it is not the punchline. We're going back up this mountain. It's me. The Onsei, the the sound guy, like he crapped out halfway through going up the first time. And the director. I I mean, at least you haven't got heavy camera equipment to carry. At least it's just your ego that's, uh, that's on your back. It weighs me down. It does weigh me down. How And so presumably this guy's fighting fit. Oh yeah, no, he he was he was fast. I mean, he was breathing hard, but he'd stop for like thirty seconds and then he'd be fully recovered, which is the true test of fitness. Did you know that? What's the true test of fitness? Uh, your recovery time, your heartbeat, and your breathing recovery time after a strenuous exercise. So this guy was killing it. Um, I know he like about a month. Yeah, 
He uh, he climbs it two times a day, and he generally on weekdays he gets up at two o'clock in the morning and climbs it from three <laughs> to five. He goes, it takes him an hour to go up and an hour to go down, and he can't see anything. And like the whole time, I was like, "Did you ever think about like climbing other mountains?" And he's like, "Nope, just this one." <laughs> it's, it's like, do you climb because you enjoy enjoy the exercise? Do you climb because you enjoy like the scenery or the nature? And he's like, "Nope, I just do it to stay fit." Oh my god. This is absurd. Does he yeah. listen to podcasts or anything? Maybe he should listen to the show on the way up. Well, he listens to the radio uh, on the way up. Um, but what's so we being can, broadcast at 2am? The radio, it's always, there's always something on. Yeah, I know, but come on. Yeah. You know, th- but no, he says, he says like, you know, everybody knows him because they're like regular people in the neighborhood who climb this mountain or there are like people who come to climb it regularly and everybody knows him because he's going up and down two times a day. And they're like, oh, you should come out with us to climb this other mountain. He's like, nah, I'm good. Or there's like, <laughs> there's events mountain. where they, they like walk 100 kilos in a day around like a really scenic area. And they're like, you would kill it out there. And he's like, nah, I just want to climb That's this mountain. so funny. He's shooting That's for so a, a 10,000 times. And he said I love, uh, I he's going to hit it in like three or four years. I love the fact he's indifferent about even his mountain. It's not like he thinks this mountain is special or has some special spiritual meaning. It's just, yeah, it's my yeah. little mountain. And then what, what do you think he'll do after 10,000 times? Uh, he'll probably keep going. I mean, he just wants, he wants that record, but once he hits it, he'll keep going. And he was he's... brutal, man. Like I did not expect it to be such a, such a hard climb. And then, uh, by the end of it, like everybody had like sweated through like two entire outfits were covered in dirt. we all smell terrible. So we had to like stop, stop off at like the dollar store and all buy a change of clothing and take it to like a local, Ridiculous. like a local public bath and, clean off and change before we came home uh this oh, well uh, do you think it'll be a good story i think it's going to be i mean i i definitely got to exercise my comedic chops uh Did i had a handful of stuff by the way oh yeah like, i had a handful of Pratt falls i had a, a couple of real falls because like i was way too i was way too overtired and acting tired on the first way up not knowing that we then had to go back down and then back up again <laughs> Did they really keep that from you, t- just to get your actual on-air reaction? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like, they were like, we're going up again. And I was like, ha, 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 nawake nai yang. And they are like, no, we're actually, we're actually going to go back up again. Brutal. But speaking of exercise, should we, uh, should we go ahead and get into the news? So uh, Tokyo 2020 Olympics are coming up. I don't know if you were aware of it. Um, it's been a, yeah, a big thing in the Japanese news. news. Isn't it? It's been on the news for like the last uh, 30 years now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time Tokyo had the Olympics? When was it? I, in the 40s? I think it was in the 40s. No, it was after that because there's a, there's a stadium. Um, there's, a, there's a stadium in Tokyo, isn't there? Uh, that um, if it were... In the, I, I think it must must have been after that. It was but, in the sixties. Yeah. It was in nineteen sixty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had they had one in nineteen forty. They had one in nineteen sixty four, and then uh, one in Nagano after that. But then, twenty twenty summer summer Olympics. Yeah, people and, do think it might be the last time. It's um, I, I I can't say I'm particularly excited by it. When when the Olympics were in London in twenty twelve, I actually spent that summer in Japan, um, and and watched it from Japan, and then yeah. 
uh, flew back into Heathrow and I think I caught one event. Uh, but I mean, I do think that Japan is going to have this big existential crisis after the Olympics is over because everything is framed through the lens of these goddamn Olympics, right? So right. anytime any company is looking to do anything, any internationalization, any policy justification, any fuck up, any budgetary concerns, it's always like, well, we've got the Olympics to look forward to. Uh, this is necessary for the Olympics or, you know, we're it's going to be... mobilize their economy. It's going to exactly right. Give so or, or many like, jobs. It's going to bring in so these... much tourism. Right. And like, you know, bus companies and travel companies and shops are looking to lo- uh, internationalize and, and localize their products in different languages. I do think the moment 2021 comes around, Japan's going to have to go, right, now what? Right? Yeah, <laughs> what, yeah, what, yeah. What do we now? Uh, maybe they have to start a war. So <laughs> what's the <laughs> what's the uh, <laughs> the news? Uh, so there's a handful of things. Uh, one ties into that idea of this might be the last Olympics. But before that, uh, like a month and a half back, they opened up uh, all the applications for tickets. And because there's so much demand, it's a lottery system. And just just uh, last week, uh, they announced the results of the lottery. So people are finding out like what tickets they got, what tickets they didn't get. Um, and there is so much demand for every event, for the opening ceremony, for all of the, the events that that nobody cares about. Um, and now they've announced uh, the results and I'm like totally lost. I'm, I'm totally left out of the conversation. I was in Tokyo uh, uh, doing some self-promotion, going around trying to book jobs and things. And I was a complete pariah because everybody <laughs> wanted to talk about like what? <laughs> yeah. I just, I was in Tokyo doing self-promotion. That just seems like a, a, a perennial. <laughs> <laughs> How do you translate Aegyo? Bob, Bobby is doing self-promotion. Self-promotion. It means sales. It's you pound the pavement. You go, you meet producers. You meet yeah. uh, uh, television production companies. But yeah, it's self-promotion. It's, it's I mean, Jiko PR. Yeah. The I Japanese, mean, yeah, I mean, it's Jiko PR. Like you go out and you try to sell yourself. Literally translates as self-PR. What's this podcast if it's not self-promotion? Maybe it's just a nice chat between friends. Uh, I am not enjoying it that much. Um I enjoy the parts where I talk about myself. Okay. Well, why don't you continue to talk about the Olympics <laughs> through the lens of Bobby Judo? No, I, I do not care about the Olympics. And also, like, I'm in Fukuoka. And and to go to the Olympics in Tokyo, not only do you have to apply and then win a ticket and then pay exorbitant amounts for it, but then I would have to take off work, which means losing money because you're a freelancer. And then you'd have to pay to fly to Tokyo and then find a place to stay in Tokyo. So it's this whole like life uprooting thing. Um, and the tickets are like in, in the uh, thousands of dollars. So they could not understand like why I wouldn't be interested in doing that. They were like, you, as, as somebody who's, who's going to be a reporter on TV or this and that, like you have to be able to talk about it. And this was my manager in like a private conversation before we'd walked into an audition. And it was like, number one, like I thought this was a, like a private conversation. Like if they asked me this in an audition, of course I would have opinions about how great the Olympics are and how I'm looking yeah, forward right. to, uh, to what do they do in the summer? The summer luge? No. Um, what are the, the summer? Basketball. To the things with the balls. Yeah. All of the sports. I'm looking forward to how can you categorize the sports? I'm looking forward to people throwing things, putting things in things, or going fast. Yes, all of that. Sometimes they might do it at the same time. Yeah. 
And this lottery system, presumably, I mean, if there's one thing I know about uh, the Japanese, it's they bloody love a lottery. Um, the, 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 um, there's a big phenomenon in, in New Year, isn't there? The Fukubukuro, where you have these bags uh, these th- th- yeah yeah unopened. they they love to leave stuff to chance i mean i think this is kind <laughs> of like a, a function of of there's so much demand and only uh a handful of seats but they do really like to to take their chances and see what they get because i suppose I, I suppose japan uh is quite a safe and relatively predictable and stable country any any opportunity to create some you know some degree of uh, i don't know chance or luck but anyway, so so were people basically booking tickets for events which they didn't have any intention to go to just because you, you can apply for as many lottery yeah, as you want? Yeah, um, there's so many like cycling related events. And so the manager that I was talking to, she had like applied for some cycling stuff that she didn't even know what it was. But she'd gone through and she applied for the lottery for like 30 different events. And she was like, if by some chance I win all of them, like uh, it will bankrupt me. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is like the opposite of an act of, of of like the the actual lottery where if you win uh you're prevented from being bankrupt for the rest of your life yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm glad that i'm not in tokyo for it i think tokyo is going to be a disaster uh especially because as you mentioned a lot of people think that the uh a lot of people think that this might be the last chance to have the summer olympics in japan uh because of the heat because of global warming there's already a lot of concern like this year that they're not going to be able to do uh, events like like marathons and things like that in the middle of the day. And the stuff that they're doing to, <laughs> to try to combat the heat is ridiculous. Um, they had a thing, a segment on Japanese TV the other day where all of the newscasters were trying on the suggested uh, umbrella hat. It's a <laughs> I don't know if umbrella you hat. Seen- yeah, yeah. You know that I did a segment on Umbrella Hat for uh, for KBC. No. Yeah, I, I have footage of me wearing the umbrella hat in my show. They got me to floss wearing it to show how how um, how much like maneuverability your body has. Have you not seen? Does it, it actually stay on? Because so, so they yeah. had one of the the main guys for one of the bigger morning shows uh, was trying it on and like shaking his head around. And the idea is that it's shade. I mean, it's not for rain. It's for for shade. And so it's these like plastic umbrellas that are opaque so that they block out the sun. And uh, hopefully, you know, you wear it on your head around all day and it keeps you cool. It, it gives you a little bit of shade. But he put it on his head and was shaking it around and like everybody in the studio lost it. Like they could not stop laughing because of how ridiculous it is. It's ridiculous oh, yeah, in the way. Mad. Yeah, it, it looks ridiculous. And then the idea of like, you know, it's too hot because of global warming. What are we going to do? Let's make plastic umbrellas for a million people. <laughs> <laughs> and this will solve it. This will solve yeah. it. <laughs> well, maybe they, maybe they do just need to change the Olympic events, things that you can do in hot weather, right? So things like, uh, you know, maybe they give everyone a soft serve ice cream and you need to uh, eat it without it getting any <laughs> I think you'd take the gold for that, man. No, I was looking forward to like uh, some of the new uh, events and things like that, especially, um, you know, they're doing a new like Japan specific. It's not a triathlon. They're doing a quadrathlon. Okay. You, uh, you run a marathon and then you cycle and then you swim and then you work 40 hours of overtime. <laughs> <laughs> all, 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 
all, all, all, of, all of the events. Maybe it's that. Maybe you're um, like you're allowed to do the hundred meters. Uh, you're allowed to start whenever you want. Um, it's it's the moment that your boss lets you leave the office. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you still run the hurdles, but instead of like a hurdle, it's just like the barricade at the train platform. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> or, or, or like for um. That was a suicide or, joke, by the way. I got that. I got that. <laughs> or for, or for maybe like for, for women's pole vaulting, they install an actual glass ceiling they have to break through. Uh, and then like nobody can do it because it's Japan. <laughs> <laughs> like they tell them it's a glass ceiling and it's just like reinforced plexiglass. <laughs> and uh, they make the women stand on the top of the glass and all the men are looking up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Super so Japanese, you're, yeah. You're, yeah, you're yeah. not going to be you're not going to be attending these events then. No, um, and I'm really worried about like whether or not Tokyo is going to be able to handle it. And one of the big things that they're doing now is they're like all of the TV programs are taking a look at like all of the incoming uh, tourists. Where are they going to stay? Where are they going to keep their bags? How's transportation going to work? And so you know, like all the like peer-to-peer business model uh, startups like Uber and Airbnb and stuff like that. Yeah, all of which have been brutally outlawed. Well, the thing is, in Japan, like. Um, they technically Airbnb, there's all these strict regulations around it and they're absolutely just kind of like looking the other way and ignoring them until after the Olympics because they don't have a choice. They're, they're not going to have anywhere for people to stay. Yeah. Well, I've, what I heard is that um, the, the, the way in which this, this, this act, which essentially, essentially they, they claim it regulated uh, Airbnb, but what it did is it, it more or less outlawed it for, for, um you know, for, for many parts of the country like local prefectures um and specific local cities within prefectures can kind of opt out of certain bits so for example they can waive um certain registration or or like formality requirements um and so i think what they're saying is they're they're going to be allowing it for they're going to be allowing home sharing in specific circumstances for specific events but of course the whole point of you know if you want to go to the expense of setting up an Airbnb in Japan which I have done I used to run two yeah yeah like you need you need quite a lot of capital and it's just not worth it for like two weeks during an event um and and so you know I I can't um, I I I genuinely can't see how it's going to work also there are so many hotels being built at the moment aren't there like when I was last in Tokyo a few months ago literally every single street I visited had some uh, like budget hotel chain erecting uh, new hotel rooms and they're all now basically going for cheaper than airbnbs were your average price for an airbnb room in tokyo was between maybe six and ten thousand yen right right These hotels are now their standard rates start at like seven thousand yen yeah and japan is really like it's doing that with a lot of things like uber as well uh have you ever taken an uber in japan do you know what I have? Um, when Uber did a trial, so Uber did a, um, a data science trial in partnership with Kyushu University. Yeah. And so th- this was basically they wanted to just get um, data on how people were using the app. And so what they did was they they made it free for up to, I think, 10 rides. Mm. Um, and it just so happened they were only doing this launch for a week, this trial for a week. And I heard about it. And it was just at the moment where I was moving house. And, and, so, and so rather than paying for a movie company... <laughs> I, I booked, just I, got 10 rides on an Uber yeah, and just kept loading it up with stuff and I, going back I booked and forth. This, I booked exactly wow. the same Uber as well. And so, you know, not only did I completely, you know, like rip them off, I'm sure the guy, I'm sure the driver got paid. Um, also, I'm sure it really fucked up their statistics. They were like, yeah, we got this really <laughs> odd, really odd data uh, from, from this particular part of Higashiku and Kyushu. Um, uh, 
But yes, but, but Uber, Uber is like, it's very expensive in Japan, isn't it? Yeah, it's like twice what a taxi costs. And someone was telling me the other day that it's like they they have brought it in in this weird way and have marketed it as like a super upscale taxi service. It's like for for celebrities and rich people. Well, that is how it started. So so if you if you um, look at the, the, the early pitch deck, the first pitch deck from Uber, uh, when it was launched in San Francisco, it was exactly that. It was it was limousines uh, on demand. They, they didn't really realize the potential of the ride sharing until later, um, after they copied Lyft, uh, which was the you know which is the right the rival there. Yeah. Uh, well, they are they are doing all this interesting stuff where like there are all kinds of businesses, restaurants, and shops uh, where they're developing an app that will let them rent out space for tourists to leave their luggage. So you could you could find this app that will you know about this. Yeah, yeah. It, it um, th- th- I think I actually reported on it in uh, on Love FM uh, because th- they were doing a trial in Fukuoka as well. It's like five hundred yen a day, um, but but there there were really big concerns about security because you know if you're using a commercial luggage system like a luggage storage, then they they might find ways to like scan it or something. Yeah. But this is like like I I think the one which we trialed was um, a squash court. A squash court in their reception. They had it like space for three, of, three of them, <laughs> yeah. and like they, they don't have they don't have the tools to check for bombs. But then again, who's br- yeah. who's really bringing bombs into Japan? Let's be honest. I love that. Like like all of your stories involve like a way that you got a free trial of something. Like you're like the old woman <laughs> who clips coupons. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like gets it, all really. the free stuff in Japan. But no, it's a good point about like the security because one of the news stories that uh, that I just pulled up uh, earlier today was about um, to help beat the heat, they're considering for the first time, I guess, allowing Olympic spectators to bring in their own drinks. And the reasons that they haven't done that in the past is uh, security concerns. You know, they're worried that somebody's going to bring By in... By security concerns, do you mean Coca-Cola sponsorship? No, because you know they've locked it down pretty pretty good. I think they mean more like you know somebody might bring in a cup of like acid or something that they could you know some some liquid polymer that they might use as in an explosive or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they take this super seriously in Japan. One of the things that um, that people always comment, especially tourists who come over for big events and things like that, is that there's no public trash cans. Yeah. Um, and you know why there's no public trash cans, right? Yeah. Dozo. Uh, well, because there was domestic terrorism, right? Uh, yeah, the sarin gas attacks. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's it's the idea that like anything that somebody could hide. Wow, I'm just realizing that if somebody did want to plan an attack on the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, we're giving them a lot of good ideas. <laughs> like, just get that app that lets you hide your bomb in a squash court. <laughs> <laughs> And then, but the most damage they'll do will just be a series of sw- of squash balls. Going, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but this they, they actually they um they locked up all of the coin lockers and all of the bins, didn't they, in Osaka for the G twenty summit? Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like nuisance, yeah, yeah. Like everything uh, was locked down just just for extra security. But um, already, like this, the existing services. I don't know if you've ever tried to use a coin locker for a suitcase in Japan, but like people who yeah. are coming over for long-term stays bring big bags, and there's no place to put them. No. Um, and even like like half a year ago, I think I was in in Haneda Airport on like a standard Friday night at like seven o'clock in the evening, and they'd sold out of food at all of the uh, restaurants on the other side of security. Oh, that's ridiculous, isn't it? It's seven on a Friday night, and like I was like, 
there's nothing going on. It was just a normal Friday. It's like good luck with getting ready for the Olympics, guys. When I um when I went to Japan last year, I was going. I was kind of. I flew into Tokyo. I spent a week in Tokyo, then I flew down to Fukuoka again, and uh, I realized how much I'd have to sp- how much I'd have to spend to put my luggage in a coin locker. Uh, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so what I did was. I um, checked in my bag and I had my carry-on bag. My carry-on bag was what I needed for that week in Tokyo. Yeah. I then just confidently walked straight out of the airport, leaving my suitcase on the uh, baggage carousel. I've I, done that. I've done I, that. I had yeah. had a, a friend coming in who I needed to get them a, a ticket for something. And so instead of like, I, I lost it purposely. I put it in like a little bag and took it to Lost and Found. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I found yeah. this. Do, what, didn't didn't we didn't we do that gig in Kita Kyushu where one of our options to get the mic stand back to to Stephen was to hand it into a Koban to say I've I've just found yes, the yeah, mic yeah, stand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's, I think and, yeah, it's it's how reliable Japan is and how yeah. lazy and cheap we are. Well, exactly. But then, so then, what happened was, I called them up and I was like, "Oh, I, I didn't even apologize. I was, I didn't even tell a lie. I just said I left my luggage." At the airport. <laughs> and they went, and they went, and they went, "Oh no!" Like they were really panicking. I went, "Ah, don't worry. I'm, I'm a cool guy. Don't worry about it." And then it was even <laughs> then my check-in experience when I was then going back down to Fukuoka was even better because my luggage was there waiting for me on the other side of the of, yeah. of like the security. You know, like it was it was an even better experience. Obviously, um, like. We, I don't recommend you do this. Uh, yeah, no, like, like, it's just not. It is taking the it's, piss. It's it? okay when like one or two assholes does something because they, <laughs> they, it's just more convenient for them. But with yes. the Olympic rush, I mean, they're not going to be able to handle. They're not going to be able to handle it as it is. Um, another, like, the last time I, I was coming back from America, uh, I had to take a flight. Uh, in through Narita and we got stuck and had to spend the night in Narita so we had to take a taxi uh, from Narita to the hotel with two kids and all of our stuff and you need a large like um, like a microbus or whatever they call it uh, and they wouldn't let us ride the microbus because they were only taking people longer distances into the city they wouldn't go close to the hotel and they we tried to get uh, into a normal taxi, and they're like, "No, all your stuff won't fit. You're gonna have to split up and go in two taxis." Oh my god! And it's so frustrating to deal with. And we speak Japanese, so yeah. imagine like all of these these foreign tourists coming through, and and what are they gonna what are they gonna do when when people well, don't know how it works? I really hope that, that that there aren't opportunists. I mean, I, I've had generally extremely positive experiences with taxis in Japan. I mean, I mean, taxis they're so prevalent and they are convenient and they're they're not cheap, but they're not a complete ripoff. And right. and I, I do remember one time I was um, I, I took a taxi. I used to live extremely close to Fukuoka Airport uh, in my my second house, and I took a taxi very 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 early in the morning. I, I took the first flight back from uh, I think it was Bangkok, and I just said the specific street I wanted to go to to the driver, and I didn't give any indication that I spoke any more Japanese than that. And the guy yeah. went to Higashiku via Hakata Station. Yeah. Uh, which, if anyone knows for Fukuoka knows, that's just mental. And I didn't quite notice. And I said, like, a and he was just so taken aback by me saying, like, normally you can just go using this, right, this right. main road, right? Uh, he went, oh, yeah, right. And then, so I just said, I just said to him, um, I don't plan to pay more than the usual fare. 
right? Which is like 1,500 yen, right? So I said, Sengo, Sengo Harautsumori ga nine, kind of like 10, you know, dot, dot, yeah. dot. And this guy, he obviously he just realized he got caught, right? Like he, he, like he didn't even bother to right, start right. to explain himself. And he just, it just came out. He went, oh, I didn't realize you spoke Japanese. As, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, just so transparent. And, yeah. and that is, that is only one instance where that's happened in countless. Yeah. I want to, I want to make sure like, it's absolutely clear that that's not a common thing at all. That was no, not- just like a random jerk. Yeah, sure. And yeah. And he was an opportunistic. And what I hope is right. That, that, that there aren't, more opportunists like him just for that period of the olympics where they think well you know it will all blow right right because i think you know generally speaking i think as a tourist in japan even now uh when you know tourism has never been as high you can get some absolutely wonderful authentic memorable experiences with people that genuinely have hospitality at their at their heart yeah uh this will be the last thing that we say because we're running out of time but um we we might want to talk about this further in a different episode because there are already a handful of like scams being run in terms of like uh, either Japanese national pride where like people are selling Japanese flags on the street or they're, they're doing kind of shady things here and there. But um, all of them are being done by foreigners in Japan. <laughs>